All right. Hey, everybody. I am uh, Matt Hill. I'm with Night Energy Services. Who's this? And Jeremiah Smith, uh, Mido Resources. We have, uh, officially, yeah, officially, way. Mido Resources. Yeah, yeah, right, no trace. We're going to so. get into that here in a second. But we have uh, our guest today for our Talking Energy show. Uh, we moved over here for our uh, new building with Trace Management. So, hey, please introduce yourself, Bill. I'm Bill Shanahan with Energy Rogue. Energy Rogue. All right. And then our very special guest all the way up here from Fort Worth, America. Uh, Colby, tell everybody about yourself. Hey, I'm uh, Colby Tiffy. I'm with Presidio Petroleum. Uh, the Vice President of Commercial Op Optimization. What that means to most folks is uh, energy marketing, marketing oil, gas, NGLs, and just all the products that come out of the ground that Presidio produces. Well, thank you for being on the Talking Energy Show. Uh, we we, yeah, uh, we find you guys fascinating what you do. Uh, I, I got to see uh, Colby today uh, talk at the uh, Oilfield Connections meeting today. Uh, Colby Woodruff uh, was the leader of that and brought bringing him in here, so we got lucky to grab him up oh, here yeah. to our studio today. Um, man, uh, tell us tell us about Presidio. Yeah, you guys are like a big old juggernaut that juggernaut that happened overnight. Just, happened overnight. just start gobbling up everything. You know, I think that the best success stories in the industry are like that. I mean, sometimes you get a lot of people who have a background that they they, they have all added value for different companies through the years, not as an equity owner, and that's what Presidio has. Presidio has people who are the partners, the equity owners of other that have backgrounds that have just added so much value for somebody else and now they're doing it on their own Good. and they brought me in in December of 2019 to run the marketing group and that's just as it's just been a huge success story we purchased assets from mid states in 2018 Apache in 2019 in the in the in the height of covid we purchased assets from Templar Boy, what a uh, deal you got there just man. A, I mean so we worked so darn hard on that and everybody was Presidio was built to work from home, work from anywhere, really a technology company at, at its core. We, we, we're, we're bringing the bean bags in, we got the ping pong and the darts and backpacks and you know the, the culture that uh, we think going forward is going to be needed mm -hmm. to uh, really take this industry into the uh, into the you know to the next level. So uh, that just really excited about Presidio. Presidio, if you don't know, is in the Western Anadarko Basin. So think Elk City into Amarillo, north to Perryton, uh, and then that that's where the, the, the heart of the production is and just where the company's growing today. We're looking forward to expanding out in the mid-con and, and, and we're gonna, there's going to be some things that are going to come out for Presidio in the next week or so that are really exciting. So yes. I've had some friends that work for Presidio and you guys are you're chiefly just buying production. So you've got a, a bunch of stuff with Templar, a lot of drill sites if you want. And what are you guys going to do with that? Yeah, the, uh, the story of Presidio is that we have a sponsor, Morgan Energy, Morgan Stanley Energy Service. They're fantastic sponsors and they're equity owners as well. And we've, we've, we've had a story that's been replicated recently quite a bit where we're buying PDP production over time that's just going to take it to the um, to the from cradle grave. So uh, we, we haven't been really focused on drilling. We think economics matter, um, and, and not just economics for a year or two where prices are cyclical in this mm -hmm. industry. So we haven't been really focused on drilling. What we've been focused on is economics, operating these wells in the most efficient way possible in order to uh, to, to maximize the life of these wells. So many times the, uh, the inefficient operations of these wells lead to the premature death. And so what we've done is we've, as much as we possibly can, automated these wells. And we really want to be able to use the technology that's that is available, and if it's not available, create it on our own in order to uh, extend the life of these wells, enhance production, lower the op cost, do the things that we think make make sense, which is to make money. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, it's for too long, and Bill knows this. We did. Uh, we lived in the world of production, of just increasing production. Mm -hmm. 
at what cost? Choke it over. Yeah, just open it up. Don't choke it back. And yeah, you really kill your longevity of your reserves by doing that. We, we have the lowest op cost in the world in some of these basins. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't be concerned whether or not if we're going to lower production across the U.S., we're going to give up market share. We're going, uh, we need to focus on efficient operations of existing wells. And I think that if we... I said this earlier in the talk today that I think if we focused on economics and what and really pay attention to the fact that we're we're spending millions of dollars to drill holes in the ground and they need to provide a retur economic mm -hmm. return and if we think about that instead of just growing production we'll be better off as an industry. So Colby, thanks for looking at the numbers, but uh, are we? <laughs> yeah, so are you right. guys? Uh, are you guys a flipper? We're not a flipper. Uh, I think flippers uh, get a bad name too, because a lot of times flippers come in and they do some of the things I've talked about, and, mm -hmm. and they and they want to just you know build and flip, or they want a lower cost at, at all costs, and then they're going to sell into a higher price environment. Mm -hmm. We're willing. To, we we think there are some natural synergies to be able to grab other assets and do this same thing over and over again and hold on to these wells. So well, yeah. I think the other thing people don't realize is how much oil is still left in these reservoirs. Oh yeah, you know, and every 15 years, there's a new technology that allows to get more and more. But one of the things I learned when I was doing some CO2 for a company years ago was that, you know, the first pass through, you're only getting about 15% of the reservoir. Mm -hmm. Do you and think you're getting that much? Uh, as, as an average, probably. I think it's probably even a little bit more with the horizontal drilling. Well, you know, because we've had other, Robert Rother, when he yeah. came in, he said single digits. He was thinking it's really single uh, digits on your recovery factor. Well, the, uh, I think it'll be 11 to 15, so I'm giving them a lot of them. And, mm -hmm. But even with secondary recovery, you call it water floods or whatever you're using, you're only getting about another 10. Mm -hmm. So once all said and done, 75% or 80% of the oil is still left in there. But people don't want to mess with, so to speak, strippers, because they can be very costly. But... They just go forever and ever. I mean, at my desk right in uh, right now, I have a little bottle of oil from the Wheeler Number One in Drumright. Mm -hmm. It's still producing today. It was drilled in 1911. Man, that's yeah, so you won't find any hundred-year economics on a well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it just it just doesn't exist. Right. So, I, I think what you know, and I, it's been interesting to watch Presidio because I mean, Kobe, I mean, give us some perspective. I mean, when you started there, how many wells did you have, and how many wells do you guys have now? Yeah, so uh, a little bit of an overnight success, like I mentioned. Uh, I think that we acquired 400 wells from zero to 400 in, from mid-states, almost 1,600 operated wells from Apache, and then another 1,200 from Templar. Yeah. We're up to about 3,200 wells. But it was just, I mean, what you mentioned, some of these wells have just been mistreated. I mean, they, they, they were drilled, they spent millions of dollars, and they just been, you know, they need some love. And and these large companies come in, and, and, and they drill these wells, and they just kind of forget about economics. They focus on production. And, and, and I think that it, it still matters that people make money. I think it still, you know, matters. And if it doesn't make economic sense, then you shut some of these wells in. And we saw that. We, we, we really did when we when we acquired uh, Apache, especially those assets out there, that there were a lot of wells that were that they probably should have been brought back to production or they just need a little love yep. and um and that takes time and 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 flipping a you know if if there is a flip there's a there this take you got to do a lot of work i mean this block and tackling thing is pdp strategy if you will is not very sexy no you know i mean no. we, we went through a we went through a period of time in our industry where we're drilling our brains out i mean i asked this question earlier today in the and the talk today with the OCI folks is, you know, how many people thought 13 and a half million barrels a day at the time was sustainable? How many people thought we're going to continue to pour in half a trillion dollars of capital a year to drill a rain tower? It's never happened before in this industry. It's, it just was bound to, 
we were bound to fail. Mm-hmm. Service companies cross our fingers. <laughs> like, yeah, keep it going. <laughs> and, and, and we wanted to as well. I think yeah. we wanted to all sure. have this, you know, massive success that look that translated into you know incredible wealth for the country. And, and, and to some it did, and some it didn't. And that's the problem with the industry. I mean, this industry is full of greed and grace. And you really have to look for. Uh, you're going to find both if you look for it. But I think that it, I prefer to do the grace as opposed to the greed. It, uh, it really makes a difference in who you work with. I mean, Bill and I worked together for 15 years, and I think that more than anything, I just showed up. My motivation was to work with people like Bill, and and that kept me that kept me going. I mean, the the the, the idea that we're going to you know just make this well or that well or this project work or that project work wasn't really something that I really got like. I was keen on it was just you know, I want to hear what the other folks their energy their ideas about you know how we run our business and that's what that's what motivates me Kobe and I really enjoyed working together but it never was always a kumbaya moment mm-hmm. uh, we our, our biggest conversation style is debate yeah and yeah. so uh, but at the end of the day when we all had decided a way to go we were all on the team that's good. That's hard to get. I think debate is powerful, and I really enjoy it. Like good discussion where you're hearing all the points, but it's once that finishes up, you know, saying, "Okay, we made a decision. It may not have been mine. We need to move forward." That's hard for me. I can yeah, tell you, yeah, it's, we, we, it's we were sideline. We were for a guy by the name of Mark Cahill, and that's how he's. I mean, he formed a group that if you ever came to any of our meetings, you would think these people don't like one another, you know, or something yeah. like that. But when it was all said and done, that team was able to do. Gosh, Kobe, what do you say? Over a billion dollars worth of business for the company. There's no question. So I, I want to get into like uh, several things Colby brought up and uh, his little model. The only debate we haven't settled though is who who's beauty and who's the beast. That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't decided who, who's grace and who's green. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not up for us to be to decide. <laughs> can, can Jeremiah and I show you on that? Hey, I'll, yeah, I'll be kind of Gordon Gecko. Is green good? I don't know if you guys watched that movie. Yeah, Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I always I always go back to that. And I question: Is greed good? Greed is what motivates us to drill more. But right. uh, to an extent, you do need that grace. Say, okay, let's let's look sustainable instead of flipping this as quick as possible, destroying the reservoir life of it. You know, I don't even know if you yep. call it greed. I mean, there's there's people around the globe, as you mentioned earlier today. That uh, man, tell us that story. There's there's somebody out there that lives on for their entire like year. They live on less than that refrigerator in my yeah. house uh, make, right. you know, uses. That's yeah, so I, I encourage everybody to follow Robert Bryce on LinkedIn. Robert, Robert Bryce is LinkedIn. a fantastic uh, person who's in the details about energy density. He has a new movie out called Juice, okay. and he travels all across the world, uh, really showing how electricity has changed people's lives. And one of the things that he said in that uh, movie that really stuck out to me is that 3 billion people across the globe live on less electricity per month than your refrigerator at home. That is astonishing. Right. That's like 46% of the population. Yeah. Yeah. The eight, if there's 8 billion people. I thought the there were 7 billion. Seven, there there yeah. There's, there's, no, there's like 7.2 billion. Yep. Like and, and that's uh, not greed. If they're, if they're hungry for more energy, cheap energy, like you talked about today, yeah. which we all have, you know, we're blessed that's by right. here in America and no one, especially Oklahoma. We are, we are incredibly fortunate for where we're born. And those people across the globe, they are not greedy. They are hungry for energy to make their lives better. To change their lives. And, and he, he featured one lady who, it also stood out to me that she was able to, uh, and she was a real smart person. Uh, she just had never gone to school. So she went to school. Be- her daughter went to school because they had electricity. And what her uh, daughter would say was that, every, uh, and it was accentuated uh, the difference between not having electricity and having electricity. When uh, she, her daughter was studying one night, she said, 
that the electricity went off and she couldn't see. It was mm -hmm. so pitch black dark and she couldn't see the material at night to study for the test the next day and that by candlelight it was, it was hard mm -hmm. to decipher what was actually going on. But that that was the key to her daughter getting an education. This, 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 the lady was sharing the story probably was smart and had the abilities just as much as her daughter, but she didn't have electricity in order to, um, in order to be able to where was she from? This is in Africa. Yeah. She traveled over to Africa. And so the, there's a lot of reserves over there, right, in certain areas, but yeah. you also have an abundance of sunlight. It seems like solar would yeah. be a good choice, especially for simplistic things like sure. uh, uh, lights you know, right. and battery technology and stuff like that. For yeah, them. so that, that, that was a good lead into my, uh, my, my, my discussion about energy as uh, or U.S. as an, an exporter, a net exporter, that um, our consumption is, uh, you know, and crude is 19 million barrels a day, uh, that we produce 13. Well, 11.2 today, which, by the way, was a year ago we were producing 11.2. Mm -hmm. So Gosh, we're back to where we were before. And, 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 and Should we be, though? But we, we, I think we shouldn't be producing at the expense of, you know, bad well after bad well after bad well that runs companies in the ground because that deteriorates our, uh, our, uh, us as an industry of perception. And what's happened is traditional capitals just said no more. We're not going to. We're yeah. not going to invest in these multi-million dollar. I mean, you guys know. I mean, this this a capital intense business and uh, the most capital intense business and uh, a lot of investors are, are saying I'm just not going to willing to do it anymore and traditional capital is on the fritz it's going to it's going to lead to a muted uh, comeback okay. we're going to come back and you know the demand's going to be it's still going to be there I, I wouldn't listen to the um, uh, the folks who say the death of the energy industry is coming, 2050, net carbon zero nonsense. And just by the way, I've been through four deaths of the industry. Yeah. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> Do you not see a transition happening, though? Like, uh, well, you guys are in uh, WAB, or West yep. Anadarko Basin, right. for a reason. And it's not for oil recovery, I assume. It's for gas. It's, so do you guys believe more in gas than oil? I think that uh, if you look at supply and demand that most folks see are... Uh, more bullish long-term uh, natural gas, and it's for those reasons I talked yeah. about. You know, the, the demand for electricity is going to be there no matter what. And but even prior to COVID, uh, demand for crude oil and natural gas were increasing and rising. It's just we've all been at home reading all the papers that you know writing off this industry. Well, the industry is back to where it was before. I saw yesterday that uh, 1.5 million barrels of uh, the demand for jet fuel yesterday mm -hmm. was 1.5 million barrels. That's what it was in February of 2020. So. We're going to get back to you know where we were before as far as demand, and it's going to continue to grow. Now, does it grow in the United States? Maybe not. Because we have so much exports to, well, like right. you said earlier today. Right. Well, so we're going to get back to uh, doing our thing, producing more oil and gas, but what's going to change is the markets. The markets are going to change from domestic to foreign. Do you think so? Really? Where are we going to be exporting? Uh, Mexico's got quite a, Where are we sending it? Mexico, you know, three years ago, we weren't, we weren't exporting anything LNG-wise. Mm. Today, we're exporting 14% of U.S. production. Where's it going? Uh, so a third of it's going to Mexico. Uh, uh, quite a bit's going to Europe. Uh, South Korea is a large consumer in Japan, uh, including in, in India. But India's been muted a little bit lately because of COVID restrictions. And whatnot. India needs... Uh, this is cleaner. Right now, they're burning tires yeah. and wood. Right. Hey, have you ever traveled to India? No. I've been there twice. Okay. Okay. And it will amaze you. I mean, it will. We don't know what poverty's like, and for them, the raiser people out of poverty, and, and realizing they're what now 1.2 billion people mm -hmm. compared to U.S. at 331 million, mm -hmm. million and uh, and they're on probably one third of the landmass. Right. And so, when you when you see what they're trying to do, they're they're going to do their best to reduce their emissions, 
But they need power. They? They're, they need power. And the, and the power is more important than the emissions to them, right? Yeah, they're an emerging economy. And that actually scares me more than anything. Like, uh, the United States is uh, pretty well developed, but we're not that good at emissions uh, from the wellhead in general. So to think India cares at all at this point, well, I'd be surprised. Well, the good news is they'll be able to skip some of the technologies that we wore out. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and so that that's a good thing. It's sort of like there are people, uh, I was way out in the sticks of India, and, you know, very, very seldom any electricity or anything like that. And when I walk alone, Here's this guy herding sheep, talking on the cell phone. And I'm going, well, they never had to worry about wires. Right. Yeah, okay. No, that's a good point. That's a really nice You analogy. know, so they just jumped that technology altogether. Now, you still need wires to do cellular, mm -hmm. but they just need wires to towers. Bill, what were you doing in India twice? I was doing some uh, mission work among Muslims. My oh. timing was not always great. Yeah. I mean, I went the, uh, on the first anniversary of 9-11. Of that was really an interesting conversations. And then the next time I went was the first week of the Iraqi War. So, okay. oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you weren't there for gas. Well, the good the, the good deal was that we had a lot to talk about. Sure. <laughs> you didn't go <laughs> scout any fields over there to see if we could. No, I, I did not. But you know, it's it's good to remember that even though they're a developing nation, they really have smart people there. Oh yeah, but uh, you know, and they work for a lot less than our people do. Yeah. Well, it's very corrupt though. There, there's an enormous mm -hmm. divide between those that have and those that don't, and it's a very small per percentage that have. That's correct. Yeah, it's a very small. Right. I thought the left argued that here in the United States. Uh, it's it's much worse there uh, by let's, far. Let's just say it's very well defined. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a class system, right? They, well, they don't they don't really call it that, but it's uh, it's interesting that when I was over there, they taught me to see where people lived, where they were in that situation, by how they dressed. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it was it was fascinating to be able to do that. It was sort of the. Did you, you stay know, like in the local villages in the huts? Yes, mm -hmm. well, not in the huts. We stayed in. Uh, I was telling somebody we stayed in a hotel up there, and I mean, I paid extra to get the air conditioning. So instead of charging me six dollars, they charged me eight dollars. So, yeah, <laughs> right. and the name of the hotel was the White House, and I go the White House. I said, yeah, because I, I said I was in Lincoln bedroom. He says, really? I says, yeah, because it was Lincoln's administration. The last time they did anything to it. Oh, <laughs> hey, Bill, while everybody's yeah. listening. Um, Tell us about Energy, Energy Road, by the way. I, since you're here, I want you to promote yeah. your business. All right. Well, Energy Road is actually sort of a, more of a, a passion as much as anything, is that over the decades that I've been involved in this industry, and especially in the last times, both in marketing and operations, I'm amazed at how many people in the old business who are running businesses know nothing about how the price is arrived at. Yeah, no, that's something I've got a list of questions we haven't broken into that I don't want to get to it because I don't understand it and I have a lot of producing wealth, So yeah. And so what we've done with Energy Rogue, and we call it Energy Rogue because basically we're not going to try to do things like everybody else has. I mean, if you want to get a good pricing service and stuff like that and everybody do that, it only costs you about, oh, $3,000 a month or $1,500 a month. That's and so cheap. what we do is we pull all of that together and we pull from some of the uh, uh, same sources that everybody gets and we aggregate them all in one spot. And we will send you a daily email of where the where the, the energy is at, and we will send you, and you can access our website and see how we arrive at all of our stuff, whether we're bullish or bearish, okay. and what points is that way. Because a lot of times people people have never heard of something called MACD. Okay, well MACD is all it is is the convergence divergence line of pricing against the trend, and when they come close together, you have high volatility, well, which means that price is going to jump one way or the other. You don't, you know, it's not. I, you know, people always say, can you predict oil price? I said, sure. Oil price is going to be 86.39. Someday. They go, when? I said, now that's the question. <laughs> so, yeah. well, how'd you do in February? Yeah. How'd you do in February? Uh, we actually uh, did pretty good. We didn't really roll out. We, we were, were still running our trial system at that point. We rolled out on, uh, on Star Wars Day, mm -hmm. May 4th. Yeah. And so, uh, but we have called the ups and downs 
pretty close based on the technicals and some of the fundamentals. And so, um, I mean, we called $75 oil 10 days before we got there. Well, was it already at 65 and trending up, though? It was It was starting to trend up, but it was. I think at the time it was 63-something. Where's it going, then? Yeah, Colby, you said that today. Like, I want to hear why you think that. Where's, where's oil going to be at? You two are way off on this, and I like it. I want to hedge off his opinion. Where you, what's your yeah, opinion? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to hedge in general. Tell so, me about have a bet. So, we, uh, we, we, gosh, how long have we done this now? For about eight years every now and then we call another. I think, I, I, I think I'm netting the good with you, though, over the long term. <laughs> Someday we're going to fail with all this. Uh, but uh, So, there's a lot of resistance right now to the wall. And it's some of it's technical, some of it's fundamental. What is the uh, difference? Please explain that first. So, technical is that you're just following what the electronic traders do. Oh, yeah. Realize the guys who are trading on WPI, very few of them own any commodity. They're just they're just doing trading. Yeah. Right. Okay. So basically the only skin they have in the game is what they have on the yeah, on the financial. Know. Okay. But fundamentals are supply demand, you know, when you look at uh, what the refineries are using versus you know what we're producing. And what uh, so because so whenever you show that our production is lower than what the refinery inputs like they are right now, so they either have to pull from inventory or they have to pull from imports. And right now, imports are sort of picking up most of the slack. Like, uh, I think it was last week we were talking that the imports went from 0.6 million barrels a day to 2.8 million barrels a day. Wow. And so, but part of that is, is that when you see imports, you have to understand whether it's actually crude oil or whether it's petroleum products. Because we import a lot of unleaded gasoline, mm-hmm. and we export a lot of diesel. And propane. And we, ex- we export right now 82% of propane. Really? A third of which going to Mexico. Wow. You know, they've been doing PMAX and all them. They've been putting in a lot of infrastructure. They're going to start yeah. doing some storage wells yeah. and stuff, right? Uh, so I would assume PMAX is not going to be independent, energy independent, but they are going to start using their own supply before long. The, like, the, they are investing heavily in that. Well, the Mexican government has, has really been progressive in, in importing yeah. petroleum products, pipelines, not so much downstream in, in, or down the hole in, in, in drilling wells. But, uh, yeah, I mean, where we're when we're talking about exporting 11.5 BCF a day, 14% of the production in the United States, a third of that's going to Mexico, mostly as a result of the uh, revised NAFTA deal that President Trump did in 2018 and really brought a lot of manufacturing to North America, primarily Mexico. Yeah. And uh, the, 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 the growth will come in, in, in Canada, but right now the... The, the COVID has COVID has that muted a little bit, but uh, the growth in Mexico has been. I mean, folks coming across the border. I say this all the time. I don't know why they're coming across the border. They can go get a job right now in some of these manufacturing. Yeah, but what are they moving from China? What are they paying them? And I know it's going to be yeah. a different number there, but like they're paying them squalor wages. Realistic. That's why manufacturing is there, not here. Yeah, it's ma- so much the, cheaper. The, 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 no question, but it's not in China anymore. Yeah, they're bringing it here, and it's not in India. It's in Chi- it's in Mexico. Yeah, and and you know Chinese you see, pro- Chinese companies are moving their operations to Mexico and using their labor. To, to be closer to the market. Yeah, no, that makes perfect the sense. The U.S. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. China's getting pretty hostile, too. So. Well, the other and thing is, is right. that your transportation costs are going up. Mm-hmm. And so they are. Why, why pay to ship it when you can rail it uh, from Mexico? Mm-hmm. Sure. Right. So let's, uh, let's uh, you guys said you have a bet. I don't think we ever had an answer. Okay, so my bet is, is that I said it'll, it'll touch 60 before it goes back up. 
and Kobe says we're going straight to 85. Wait, so are we, we're over 60, or you think it's going to fall a bit more. Yeah. Oh, man. So where are we at today? Is it over 70? 72? Yeah. 72. Yeah, so we're still kind of hovering in the middle. You know, I don't even I care know. about, uh, what about gas? That's a real different deal. Yeah. I think we're both very bullish on gas. I we're right. we're at $4 an M right now. Do you think we can get to 5 and stay there? No way. And win. Tell me why. Yeah. It's yeah, well, there's always resistance because when you start doing this because what people will do is that they start comparing it to something else, all right? But the fuels are, are, are pretty much gone. Because I'm sorry? Fuel from coal. used to from coal to gas. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, so many of the coal plants are being shut down that you really can't switch that. In fact, as you'll find that more and more we're exporting coal out of the U.S. Yeah. You know? So, so a lot of it now is moving to renewables. And one of the little things you have to watch about renewables, when everybody reports, they always report capacity and not utilization. Yeah. So they say, well, you know, 14% of the U.S. electricity is, can be wind, but we're only using 4%. Is it that high? For is, wind? Is that high? No, it is that certain high. days it's that high. Well, yeah. certain days. That is the but, key right? to it, right? Yeah. The you know, but if you've ever been around a wind farm, it's not the cleanest thing in the world. All the dead birds. Well, they have an they have an <laughs> believe it or not they have an exemption. Yeah, for migratory sure. birds. Wait, so we got we, we have to make enormous changes for beetles and everything else, and they yeah. get exemptions from. Yeah, there's so much craziness to this. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm just gonna get a little tangent and then come back. Just <laughs> but it all feeds into this. So it's so crazy. You said we're exporting the coal, right? And that's a green initiative. Like, uh, and the states we're gonna say we're not burning the coal. Right, right. We're just moving it like, and it appeases. The coal is still getting burned. It's yeah, yeah. Somewhere it's just we're not, not really doing that's anything. Right. Yeah, but we're it's just exporting. It's going to countries that don't have the EPA standards we do. At least I don't know that that's you know, good news or bad news. It's, <laughs> sure, the United States is still making money. We're just exporting instead of doing it here. It's still getting to the atmosphere. So, and the other part why I bring that up, okay, is I just bought an eco diesel, a Ram fifteen hundred, right? Yeah. Right. And uh, they got in trouble in eighteen with Volkswagen for their emission scandal. They were cheating right. the the. They were gaming the system in yeah. California, namely for when they'd have to go in for their smog test, and they had a program that would run. A little and, software glitch. Yeah, so they fixed that, right? So they they uh, they got in trouble. They got their their hand slapped, right. and the government said fix it. So they did a, a band aid with a software upgrade that changes how the vehicle runs. So now I my fuel economy is dropped by roughly five ten percent. And that makes it cleaner, but I have to burn more fuel. You have to burn more fuel. Yeah, right, so right. You're, you're still you're emitting yeah. more. This is just a shell game. It's, it's very frustrating. All numbers always have been, man. You can yeah. put data in however you want and sure. make any number look how you want it to. You can talk about net carbon zero 2050 all day long. But I, I think our biggest yeah, responsibility as an industry is always just one thing, delivering cheap, affordable energy to populations that want it. All right, to improve which people's, is lives. Improve people's right. lives. And, and, and uh, in the best way possible. You can argue yeah. How, yeah, how much does it improve their lives if the cancer is more prone, if you're killing the ozone layer? We all, we, we've done that study and that the, pros way far, that study? The, the pros far outweigh the, the cons in terms in the short of term. all of the things that have improved people's life across the world. Yep. There are things that we're always going to be having to deal with, with you know, cancer, focus on living in you know, urban areas around refineries and things like that. But by and large, we see people who are living longer people mm -hmm. who are be living better lives mm -hmm. and that's the way that the uh and, and, and the industry has has been developed like matt said on you know cheap energy and american ingenuity to make people more prosperous and that's what that's the story of the united states and and and, and today we try to spread that 
uh, in, through our industry across the world. And I, there, you know, if you haven't seen it, there's a fantastic uh, video about making fun of the North Face and, and, and how they promote that, you know, they're not going to do business with energy industry companies. Right. And, and, and so, you know, a, a great story of, you know, taking their apparel and saying what percentage of this is made out of petroleum program, oh, products. And that's just one example. Was that Liberty Frack? Yes. Yeah, hey, Liberty Frack. Awesome. Thank you, Liberty. <laughs> yeah, I thought that's it was funny. Fantastic. It was great. Yeah. How? He's, he's so what about the critical? So one of the guys that follow on this is a guy by the name of Alex Epstein. Oh, Alex is a... He wrote a book called The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. And he talks about, are we worried about the planet or are we worried about humans flourishing? Humans flourishing. Yeah, we know that the uh, life on Earth flourished uh, when CO2 levels were five times what they are today. Life on Earth flourished. And and that's the, the... if we're going to focus on more the temperatures in the earth rising by a degree and a half Celsius over people living another 20 years, 30 years, that, that, that we're not focusing on the right thing. We're well, we Colby, be you're being disingenuous in that because yeah. that's a degree and a half by 2050, but that doesn't uh, talk about uh, 2100, right? So it's a degree and a half then, but it exacerbates and gets worse and worse. So let's 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 kind of say that yeah, we, that is by then. That, that is one so, point, but so it will I'll, get worse. I'll, I will take your point on that. I'll ask you this. From 1970 to now, how's it been? Has it gone up? Has it gone down? What the CO two concentrations? CO two and and more importantly, the other uh, ozone killing. Well, it's methane. Methane's uh, yeah. that, it's shorter so, lifespan in the atmosphere, but it uh, holds a lot more heat. It traps more but heat. So in the so United States, it's gone down. The emissions? Yes. I don't know about that. Well, uh, uh, when you do it on per capita, for sure, but it has gone down because I mean I was there in the nineteen seventies when you could you know cut the air in Los Angeles. Nice. And so, but however, the rest of the world, like I said, does not have that same agenda mm-hmm. and so are we going to take money out of the americans pockets yeah. yeah that's called leadership and doing what's right even when right. other people aren't so i'm not and, and don't don't I'm, I'm an oil and gas guy yeah I'm I'm idea, idea. right uh, but well, I, I believe in long-term sustainability right too. and sustainability is an interesting term because people use it differently yes and so usually when someone says sustainability it's okay, define what you're talking about sustainability if you're are you talking about the earth flourishing another fifty thousand years you know, I mean, we, it's been here for a long time. It's always going to be here. It's always and so yeah, and, it might be a, like Mars though, and yeah. a dry rock. Or it's going to be super lush with like us surfing, and like, yeah, right. It's going to be great. And, and I feel I, better I, about warmer temperatures, honestly. I like I it warmer. Know. You know what I mean? I, do not. I, I, yeah. do. I feel I feel like oceans rise and people move. That's well, Florida's gone. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. That right. Went off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I still, I still. Don't a lot of people. I don't think the oceans are rising either. I think this is all baloney. Well, so how do we get back to how do we how do we find out what the oil price is really going to be? Like you are saying it's going to be. Well, let's talk about these damn darn gas marketers speculating. Yeah, futures right. uh, yeah, let's talk about some speculation. And because I actually wrote it down, I didn't. Well, so people, I didn't underline it. Told me about cyclical nature, and I'm, I want to know why is it cyclical. I'm, I'm always why interested is it so in people who are asked to do a job and not have an opinion. So I, I want to be in that that world where you're asked to do something, but you're not really accountable, responsible. And people who do what I, I do and Bill do, we they're always they always they're, they're marketers, but they really don't have an opinion about where they're going, what's going to happen. My, my, the co-founders of Presidio Petroleum want to know what's going to happen to prices like everyone else does. And they want to know that their marketer has an opinion, at least an educated guess, as to what the hell is going to happen. And so uh, the way you look at these things are fundamentals. And you really look at historically what's happened. You take all the things that you know to be true and you use them to forecast the future. What's, what, what's going to happen is we're heading to $100 in 2021. Whoa. And, 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 I, and everybody has that. Everybody was talking about $100 a month ago, two months ago. I was talking about it in my uh, IMO. My uh, I do a between 
Thanksgiving and Christmas, I released my IMO index for the upcoming what is year. IMO, but in my uh, opinion, in my opinion, guess, yeah. yeah. But I, I just you know, it, call it that. And what we, what, it, what, what I had in twenty uh, twenty one for August was a eighty five dollars, but a note that said going to a hundred dollars. Where's that note at? I want to see. A, 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 I'll have like somebody that print or the, the, one of the guys who likes to. Uh, uh, take pictures, hold me accountable for things. He he has it, so he, I, I'm going to take it. We'll I'm going to do it as, as a release this year, yep. uh, a big release on LinkedIn. My IMO index for 2022. I'm going to do that, and uh, you know everybody can like you know throw tomatoes at it and give me a hard time. Yeah, well, oh, I want the image. No, can we put it with the podcast? 2017. So what I was asking, he says, "Let's go to 100 dollars." I said, "Okay, are you, is that a print or is that a close or is that a month in close?" Yeah, yeah, that is a difference. But if it, it, yeah, you know, somebody always asks me, oh, "What's the price of WTI?" I'm like, "Oh, do you care? Uh, do I need to start you marketing barrels in Midland? Yeah, Why?" Right. You know, and they say, "Oh, well, NYMEX." Well, do you need NYMEX or do you need WTI? Because those aren't the same things. And yeah. talking to energy marketers, of course, you always get two answers until you specifically like nail them down to what exactly you need, uh, which is oftentimes the reason why people don't like energy marketers. Right. Uh, and, 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 and shout out to my bosses who say uh, every year in my review, well, you didn't suck as bad last year as you sucked. <laughs> You know the, the you know this year. So anyway, uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I we keep talking about oil, but we're all gas men. We're no. Yeah, I want. We, we make a little bit of oil, a fair amount of gas, and a lot of water. So let's I, talk about the, the fair amount of gas. I talked about this earlier, where everybody needs to get comfortable with the term associated oil. Associated oil. Associated gas. Yeah, associated yeah. gas. Associated, associated gas. We we, we we talked about that for you know a decade and the last decade, and that was for for good reason. I mean, we were drilling like crazy, and we had all kinds of opportunities to grow, and the market share did that. And we went to thirteen half million dollars. We are thirteen and a half million barrels a day, the, the highest we've ever produced. And uh, so I think so we're heading into the era of associated oil. Where what were you doing with the gas when they were doing that thirteen million barrels? Yes. So that's really what we have to focus on in the new ESG era is our image. The image of flaring everywhere uh, is the image that we have to embrace, own, and say going forward. That's not who this industry Good. is. Good, yes. So, Mine Bitcoin. Do something. Yeah. I hate the flaring. So, I hate yeah. the flaring. What a waste. Are you, have you guys started mining Bitcoin on any of your locations yet? We, we've gotten those inbound calls. I don't know we're calling anybody back. Right? All right. Well, yeah. hey, whenever you're ready, yeah. we know some guys. So, okay. Kobe's biggest pet peeve is flaring. I mean, we have been in the field. Many, many it's just money. It's all you see is money burning away. Like, why is this not going Yeah, well, it's inefficient. I hate inefficiencies, and that is very inefficient. Marketer's failure is flaring. It's a failure of a marketer to is the sign of it's flaring. So that. It, it, but where gas is going is, I mean, to the, so what we've done as um, as a country for our electricity demand is we've become more and more reliant on wind and solar, oh. and all that has done. Oh, that's great, and this is a perfect, no, no, and this no. is perfect uh, storm uh, in February uh, in Texas. That the, the the perfect storm happened, and it showed us. It gave us a glimpse of what's to come. So natural gas is pretty static. I mean, we don't see massive fluctuations in pricing and, and historically it's been pretty statically up or straddling going down. Right. That's right. And so what we're going to see is For that um, the uh, more and more so. we rely on renewables, the more and more erratic natural gas price is going to be and all that's going to do is continue to lift the floor like of natural it. gas. We like it. That's why th there's always this question. Like are uh, like uh, everyone everyone in oil and gas and well I shouldn't stereotype everyone but most people are Republican. They're conservative, right? And they hate when Biden, when a Democrat gets in office. But every time they do, our prices go up. 
So just like yeah. uh, these other energies that aren't really sustainable at night or if the wind stops blowing, if it's cloudy or whatever, it's good for us. I, I uh, embrace all forms of energy. It's just, cha- it's just chasing something. I, I, I wish not one young mind was wasted on wind power and solar power. But you can't think that our energy is – it's been around for a long time. Yeah, it's better. There's – it's I better. mean, come on, to, to, to close yeah. your mind to say there couldn't be something that's more... I'm not saying I'm not saying there couldn't be. I'm just saying what we've come up with so far isn't working. Scrap them. No, you don't scrap them. you got to invest in the technology, see where it goes. I think we're about capacity on what solar can do and what wind can do. As we a, know. As a country, we just need to be about all above. And we have to have government quit picking winners and losers. Amen. And decide, the free market's going to decide what cheap energy cons- consumers want and I know what consumers want they want the cheap the cheapest cost I never energy. want to come into my house and not be able to flip on a switch right. and it's not working oh am I freezing to death yep. in Texas right. because my I had wind power great yeah. terrible idea so, so we're going to get to a point and we are, we're already there and we're going to see that in the summer and, and from here on out where natural gas swings Pretty high. I mean, we're gonna. We, we saw thousand dollar gas here in Oklahoma uh, during the February storm. I call the Valentine's Day massacre of 2021, uh, where we sold a thousand dollar MCF gas, and that that's, we're not gonna, we're not gonna sell have a thousand dollar gas. <laughs> well, we, we we did pretty good, but we didn't do that good. Uh, but what we're gonna see is fluctuations. The more we rely on renewables, the more fluctuation in um, dispatchable gas uh, we're gonna have. So well, there you go. When you start talking about electricity, you have to look at how what the efficiency rate of different power plants are. No matter whether wind, solar, natural gas, coal, they all have an efficiency rating. What does and that mean exactly? Just that means that how much how much power do they consume and how much power they put out okay. on, on a BTU equivalent basis. Okay. Okay, so really some of the best are only about 78 or 79 percent. And what, what energy? So we need more power plants too. And so, but, yeah, we will have more power plants because we're gonna, people are not going to stop making cell phones or computers or anything else like that. No. So we're going to have to have more power plants. But the, uh, when you go through it, solar is at the bottom of the, of the heap. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they're probably 20, 25 percent efficient. Why is that? Because when you need the energy, they're not there. You know, and even when they're even when you're there, it depends on the efficiency of the panels. Now the panels are going to get more efficient. Yeah, I've read that they're like 27 to 30 yeah. percent. Uh, it's very inefficient right yeah. now. That's why right. you got to keep letting that progress. And right. so you, you 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 keep going that way. Wind is somewhere in in, in the high 30s for most of the time, uh, but you have to realize that most of the stuff on a wind on a wind turbine is not recyclable. Yeah, and they have a lifespan of 20 25 years. What kind of maintenance with that over the 25 there, years? Well, have you ever seen one hit by lightning? That's really interesting. Oh. I saw one out here in, in uh, west of town that was hit by lightning. It just blew the That's just God saying exactly how I feel. Thank <laughs> yeah. you, God. Yeah. But, but what resulted was, was a fire in the turbine. And so to give you an example, most turbines now are about 3 megawatts per turbine. They're working on 12 megawatts, and they have them, but they're huge. Right. The 3 megawatt turbine. Those will fail too. That, that three megawatt turbine requires somewhere between forty to sixty acres for wind. What does that mean? Like, uh, like the blades space. expand that no, much, or it, why do they need that? Because space? because other turbines interfere with their wind. Okay. Yeah. So these are like North Sea. <clears throat> when you're talking that big, you're going to put them in a no, no. This is right out here in Western Oklahoma. Really? Yeah. So a so Kobe, what about a three hundred sixty megawatt power plant powered by gas takes up what maybe eighty acres? Eight, yeah. Maybe that's a lot of space for it. Yeah, they'll put a buffer zone around it, but it eighty. See, so what does a what does so a wheel well and a pad take? Just about a tiny, two acres. There we go. A tiny little patch of perfect energy. You could put multiple wells on that. Multiple wells. Yeah. That's what we need to be doing. So when you do that, when you're saying you're getting three megawatts for sixty acres, and you want three hundred and sixty megawatts, so you need hundred and twenty times that sixty acres. Mm-hmm. 
to get the same thing you can get out of 80. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it's a mess. is it Jurgen that talks about energy density, or is that Bryce? Uh, Robert Bryce. Robert Bryce. Robert Bryce. Bryce. We like this guy. Yeah, he's, he's really good. He's really a really neat guy, too. I actually had breakfast with him a few years back. Um, but he talks about the energy density, and that's how much energy we're getting out of the space we use. Yeah. So nuclear yeah. is best, oil second, and then... And so there's been a lot of people who, who, when you start looking at power, they look at distributed power. That's where you put the power where people are. Uh, that's some of the highest cost electricity. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's like when people put solar panels on homes for electricity. You know, when I looked at that, electricity doesn't really make sense. Hot water makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But electricity does not. Mm -hmm. Because you, in order to sell it back to the grid... That little device is about ten grand. Oh, no. yeah. so Oklahoma, they got really far ahead of this. Uh, Mary Fallon was the governor. They passed a law. It's all a gift to the grid. It's very frustrating when they saw the solar coming. Yeah, so, a yeah. gift to the grid. Yeah. So what about the, the extra yeah. energy you produce yeah. out of your locations if you turn that yeah. into energy through a generator? Like, okay, instead of flaring, I'm sending that natural gas over to a generator. The generator's creating power. I'm mining my Bitcoin, but I also have extra power. Can you put that back on the grid? So Is that a gift so, too? So you made, an, you made a big assumption there. Yeah, that you couldn't sell it. And that's only that's, that, that's one. In the city, by the yeah. way, it's not but, the. But the when you buy Bitcoin, things. you have to have an internet connection. Yeah. <laughs> but that's mobile now. You can pay yeah, up yeah, a dish. Yeah, I mean, whatever. You the, don't have to have yeah. a line out to there but anymore. Think, yeah, but once again, it's not all just free. No, no. Well, for the, right. there's there's investors. But, I mean, everybody wants you know to make money off of this, but but it's wildly inefficient too. I think. Right. Well, buy Bitcoin that. But it's something to do with natural gas. Yeah. Other than just. Why is that inefficient? I, I think what we're going to do because somebody told me yesterday that if you mine Bitcoin with your gas, so right now gas is you know a little bit above four, right? Yeah. But if you go use your gas for mining Bitcoin, it's more like fifteen. I think they need to get a better marketer and sell the gas. I mean, well, no, you're on the pipeline, Kobe. But this is the yeah. where, where most of this comes from: the strain of gas. Where yes. you don't have a market. That's what that's what people say, but what? I don't believe that. Uh, where where are we drilling wells where we don't have a market? Okay, no, Pottawamie County. I've got two wells, yeah, and we can't market. get to the wells. Produce a hundred m a day. Yeah. So I'm not going to lay a pipeline. Yeah. I, I I can't uh, cost effectively do a pipeline. There's a ton of strain of gas. I've got wells yeah. in Wyoming, and. Those wells, there is nothing around there. Yeah. So what do you do with it? Yeah, we produced uh, at Lynn. We produced up in Wyoming too, and I, I, it just not. Uh, there, there's always certain specific small instances that you can pick out. I just think that a lot of times that that too too much is put into well. We're just going to flare, and we're not going. We're going. We're going to drill this five million dollar well. We're not going to spend a hundred thousand dollars to lay a pipeline. Yeah, uh, hundred thousand. Well, yeah. Do you, I don't know do you believe that? Thousand. I mean, what, what 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 are we doing here, right? Yeah. Well, that's that's only what always pointing to me because one of my pet peeves is that when we do an AFE. No one ever puts in connection costs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> as as if, we're, if we're planning to fail, we're, we're planning to as if this one thing we tell us is it's optional. What right? is, we don't know and, if we're going to have a. Well and you think I, I would rather <laughs> as a I would rather as an industry start writing that into the AFEs versus regulatory coming in and saying, "Hey guys, uh, right. we've already decided for ourselves we don't want any more flaring. We don't want the government telling us that because right. then we're in yeah. trouble." Why, why, why would you why plan would we wait on to them? drill something to capture it and not? Do that. That's what that, that's what you're doing. What's going up in the air is what you spent five. That's capital efficiency. In. Like yeah, I'm, it, if I'm there for the oil, so that's, uh, I'm not there for the gas. So I talked about it earlier and a little bit here today. We, we need to get back to what make what makes economic sense. Mm -hmm. And a part of that is that we need to build uh, and construct and drill wells that make economic sense, and that's inclusive of you know a pipeline to to keep us from what. I mean, everybody's going to, like, if they see that flare, they're going to say, see, it's the same old energy industry doing the same old thing. we got to we gotta build in what you said. Matt. Yeah, but that, that, that I want to do radical things, though. Like, I want built-in 
you know, microgrids. I, I want to go drill a gas well for my neighborhood. And everybody in my neighborhood gets that natural gas off of that well. And then anything left over, we can put into the power grid and, you know, pump up you, to the rest of it. You, you absolutely have the right to do that today if you're the mineral owner. Yep. Absolutely. Everybody so in my neighborhood gets that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they go pipe directly to houses. I want, I want yeah, everybody yeah. in my neighborhood to be right there. There you we, go, guys. We drilled some fantastic wells out Who's in we? the Texas Wait, Sandhandle and, and Lynn. Uh -huh. And we put, uh, we, uh, the, the landowner said, hey, you know, we want to use this. Right out of the ground, mm -hmm. right here at the house. Awesome, and and we did, and 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 it's fine. It's great. Even better, pipe that to a generator next to their house, and they also have electricity there and natural go. gas. That, that's it. Yeah, uh, and part of that is you have to know what the quality of your gas is. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I was on a years ago. I was on a lived out in the country on a farm, and I had the well. The gas, the farm was tied to the house was tied to a well. Well, they ran it through a little propane tank because it had liquids in it, yeah. and it would drop out the liquids in the propane tank. Great. And that was their. Uh, Treating of the gas, mm -hmm. you know, worked, and so it was one of those that the guy says it works most of the time. But if we get a spot of liquids, yeah, you might it might get exciting. Yeah, <laughs> Bill, tell, tell us about the quality of gas. There's different BTUs, British thermal units. Yeah. Well, how right. does this work? Well, I, mean, I want to know so much about gas marketing. This is why I want Colby here because I don't understand it. <laughs> well, well, Bill's been in this industry since what? Throwing thirty six. Throwing dinosaurs. Oh my god! I was just wondering, Derek. You built some of those and climbed. Yeah, right? <laughs> at least I cut down the trees. <laughs> or planted the trees. Yeah. I, well, I started in the industry in 1976, climbing Derek's offshore. Oh wow! And and back then they were just in 76. They were looking for warm bodies. In fact, is they had a sticker on the back of my heart ad that says, "Please do not use this worm for bait." You know. <laughs> and so, now I understand. Okay. <laughs> and so it was a obviously it was a different industry back then. And and I've been through so many ups and downs. But when you start talking about the quality of gas, I, Kobe and I've always said this before. All MBTUs are not created equal. That's right. What does that mean? And what that means is, is that when you start, you have to learn your your C chart. What is that? C one is methane, C two is ethane, C three is propane, C four is butane, C four I is isobutane, and C five is the pentanes. Now the C's can go all around to like C one twenty something. I can't remember, yeah. but C fives all get loaded in because now you're really talking about condensate and and, and more of a, a, a crude oil. Okay. So the first three. Usually follow so gas, um, ethane, and propane usually follow the gas price. Okay. Butane and C5s follow the oil price. So when you hear a lot of people, they'll say it's a percentage of oil. Mm -hmm. And so you'll hear that now when you see most people gather liquids, they're getting a Y grade. So it's basically the C2 plus. So everything from C2 down. So they've separated the natural gas out and the others drop out. And the reason they do that is because it drops out at a relatively low temperature. So the way you separate gases like that is by temperature. Mm -hmm. And the, the colder it gets, the more you get. And, I, and I've actually worked in the helium world before. And you get, I mean, you can get down to minus 412 degrees before you have pure helium. Wow. I mean, you measure that in Kelvin. That's how, how cold it gets. And so, otherwise, similar to how it is, you know, in Oklahoma City in the winter. Um, <laughs> at least it feels that way. Mm -hmm. so, colder. I thought Kelvin's uh, like a zero. What is zero Kelvin? That's, Kelvin's absolute zero, and I think it's 412. Yeah, okay. And uh, don't quote me on that. I'm, I'm not a scientist. I just play one on TV. Yeah. Uh, the, um, so when you start talking about quality, it's all about, most of the time, ethane is 50-50 right now. When you say, Kobe, whether or not it's worth, this, worth more as a liquid or as a gas. I'm That's trying right. to figure out yeah. which one I pay uh, energy transfer to take. And, it's and probably ethane. Yeah. Ethane is, yeah, is uh, on the... 
MMBTU conversion to from from a liquid to gas. You can do that conversion on ethane prices, and you'll get to what the gas is trading methane. And you actually have to, you have to pay them to take it. Yes. Wow. Ouch. It depends on what the price is. And sometimes it's because it's, it's had value in the past. Yeah. What's that? Uh, ethane. Ethane. ethane yeah. yeah. As a liquid. Ethane has tremendous value today. Yeah. yeah. Because natural gas prices are higher. Right. Methane prices. Are yeah. Higher. So when you think about ethane, think about. Uh, in the plastic world, when you're making ethylene, when you're making stuff like that, yep. they like to burn ethane to do that. And so you'll see some of that. And uh, so when you start talking about the natural gas liquids, a lot of that goes into your petrochemicals. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, Which is then exported. Right. All so the next one... All of it? All of it. Wow. Is that because we don't manufacture anything To make these cups. We don't make anything here. All Not this, this water bottle is made with propylene and a polymer that uh, is bonded together and put into and made a little ball. And it's shipped in uh, massive quantities to China. Mm -hmm. They put those little balls into a uh, to a machine that heats it up and creates that mold for that. And so that's right. actually uh, like a catalyst as opposed to being burned. Right. So it's a little. It's more of a chemical process. Uh, the um, years ago, I worked for a chemical engineer, and the two things I learned about a chemical engineer is that is that you know. Most of the time, they don't have any personality at all. Second of all, don't ever ask them why, because they will explain in great detail. I like great detail. <laughs> That's what podcasts are for. Bring it on. Right. So, we're going to get a chemical engineer here. But each one of those commodities, separate liquids commodities, has a different value based on what's going on in the petrochemical world. So what's Take coming up out of the ground, out of your wells? Like what's uh, everything? Everything. Yeah. So uh, everything. Methane. That's what we talk about. Mostly. Natural gas yeah. is methane, and then anything heavier than that, C two plus, propanes plus. That's that, that that that's the NGLs that we're extracting. Like Bill talked about at processing plants across the United States, uh, and then in a, oil and water, more water than we want. But yeah, Oklahoma. So we yeah. definitely know how to drill water wells. We definitely know how to drill water wells and try to turn them into. How much water do you? I mean, so you have thirty two hundred wells. How much of it's oil? Yeah, so a third. We were fortunate to say a third, a third, a third. That's easy for me to remember. A third, a third oil, a third, a third gas, a third, gas, and a third, third water. NGLs. A third NGLs. Yeah. Can you guys explain real quick? Uh, the, let's, let's talk about uh, the BOE and when, it, uh, when you call it, what is condensate? What yes. is condensate? Is condensate oil? What is condensate? Yeah. Condensate has a lot of deals, but usually what, what refiners will call condensate is anything that's above about 44 or 46 gravity. They call that condensate, even though they'll take it. And they can utilize it. They'll call it condensate. Wait, wait, tradition, real quick though. The refiner you're talking about the ETA energy transfer. Um, no, no, I'm talking about is this oil? Is condensate oil or is condensate Phillips? I'm talking about Valero. Okay. I'm talking about the guys who own the refinery. Okay, okay. But is condensate gas or is it oil? It, it is a liquid. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I go back clear to the white old days back in Pampa over there where they were calling condensate oil so they could get 10 acre spacing versus 160 acre spacing. So there's a lot of stuff that goes around that. So I, I try to be careful. But typically what we would look at condensate would be a 60 gravity or plus when you say Kobe. That, yeah. You know, and there's some, and, and, and the reason is, is because it's got more gas, like the propanes and the butanes entrained in it than what you would find in crude oil. Now there's always, you'll find some of this stuff in every, just about every uh, crude oil commodity, but very minuscule most of the time because they can't use it at a refinery. The refinery economics, that's just trash to them. So condensate does not make gasoline. Condensate is uh, you know, condensate is are, are lighter molecules in a liquid phase. Right. That's what they are, and they appear like that water bottle. It's a lighter color, um, appears a color out of the ground like gasoline. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
that, that, that's it. And I think it's important we don't just generalize the the oil and condensate. Crude oil is virgin crude coming out of the ground. What does that mean? That's a, that's a low um, reed vapor pressure product that doesn't flash off at a certain temperature so you can cook it as much as you want. Yeah, it's science experiment 21. Like throw a match into yeah. that oil right there, it's not going to light. It's not going to light. Yeah, and condensate is uh, a gas, so lighter uh, molecules in a liquid phase. What are you using it for? You're not using it to make uh, gasoline or, or you're using it to make diesel. Uh, so condensate is a, um, a ref um, oftentimes a refined product. Uh, I mean, it's just separation in the field. It's separation of liquid hydrocarbons in the pipe, oftentimes mm -hmm. or in the compressors. And what, what, what and you just market and, and oftentimes condensate is an inferior product to crude oil. Crude oils API can be from forty to sixty. Though. So actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. nobody knows it can be from nine. We, nine. We, we we do. Yeah, we worked in California long enough for yeah. sure that wow. you know we really marketed. Light, huh? um, that was really heavy. It's wow. it, it, it's yeah. Backwards. It, yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's heavier than water, mm -hmm. and and that seems weird. But mm -hmm. it's, it's one of those deals where they actually that's where you hear about steam lifts. They have to heat the crude oil to get it out of the water. Underneath the ground. In Canada, they do that in that tar tar sands. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're heating the they're heating up their product down hole. Yeah. And then yeah. bring it up. Steam, nice. Steam yeah. injection. That's, that's really cool. With insulated pipe, by the way. Yeah. The 12 API gravity crew that we marketed Man. in California Science. has a pour point mm -hmm. of 168 degrees Fahrenheit. So you had to heat it up to 168 degrees Fahrenheit to get it to pour out of your wow. red solo cup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and so in the pipeline. That's why we want you to drill here. If you're watching this show, drill in Oklahoma. That's we have right. gas and oil. Yeah. One. The pipeline's operated at 180 degrees Fahrenheit. They, 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 they're heating them up, the, the pipe. So let's talk about what is the the BOE number. It used to they always use one seventh or one sixth. Used to be six to one. Yeah, six to one. Thank you. And yeah. now it, it's split so much. So how does a company look at their BOE equivalents or like how do you judge that? Anymore? Well, it's amazing how many people still use the six to one. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. You can't not, step on that. Yeah, it's not it's not accurate at by all. any means. And so, but we've gotten a lot better at actually putting what the um, quality of the products are in into those calculations. Mm -hmm. Because every quality product is going to have a different calculation of what that is. You agree with that, sir? And I think a lot of companies have their preference on MCFE versus BOE, and it really doesn't matter yeah. because it's just how you've reported it before. You can't. You have to keep reporting it that way. Okay. A lot of, and, and this is different for Presidio, but we really focus on making money as opposed to how many BOEs or MCFEs that we have, and and and, and that's got to be where we live as an industry, and, and it has to be about that. Um, and, and if ESG is going to be the way, fine. But are you guys, consumers are going to pay for ESG either either way. That's you think so? You think as a consumer, that's what's yeah. going to have to happen? Yep. Are you? Uh, what is your company doing with the ESG? Yeah. So uh, um, we have gone out there, and we're a private company, but we've gone out and said, you know, we want to get a re green rating from, you know, Fitch, if you will, or whoever, and we're going to say that we, we're going to uh, we're not going to, or we're going to reduce our carbon emissions by fifty percent by twenty twenty five, and and that's a that's a goal that we're going to put out there soon. So is that and, just getting rid of flaring? And, and and a lot of that is changing out pneumatic valves, okay. which is, I think for all those folks who are listening to this uh, show and podcast, they're going to want to really uh, put take a keen interest in pneumatic valves, low bleed, no bleed valves, because companies like Presidio, I mean, they, they, we, ha, we have them on every single well. And uh, that's going to be something that is going to happen, whether it's... What does that mean? Global. What are these pneumatic valves? Now, what do you mean? Yeah, so uh, for Presidio, we have older wells, so 
12 to 14 years on average and what we do is we do um, you know we do like soap sticks you know yeah. plunger lift wells and oftentimes to do soap sticks you have to you know close one valve to open another and so there's that valve is why are you doing top this? is pneumatic to bleed mm -hmm. off the pressure between one valve and the mm -hmm. other yep. to bleed off the gas mm -hmm. you can just turn the valve and Turn your head like I just did, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and so can you imagine how many wells we're not? That's not unlike any other company. And you know, you put in, you bleed off that pressure between the valves. You put in the soap stick, close the valve, cl open the other valve, and soap stick drops. Yep. That's and and so that you just release you just release hydrocarbons in the atmosphere, and it was okay back in the day because we didn't think anything. Operating yep. procedure for producers, but with thirty two hundred wells, that adds up. It, and, and how many producing wells are we talking about across the United States? We, we were trying to, hey, we still, of them. how many producing wells are in the United States right now? Do we know? How many are in Oklahoma? How many are in Oklahoma? We, wow. we could not find, uh, we have not found anybody that could tell us yet. We're still looking for that answer. How many wells are producing in Oklahoma? Heck, you and could ask uh, Presidio. How many are asking? Yeah, 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 you guys have them all. Well, no, yeah, Presidio has <laughs> got to make up a huge percentage of the wells in Oklahoma. In, in Oklahoma and District 10 and the Texas Panhandle. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, they're not just Oklahoma. What, yeah. what percentage, uh, like, you're I don't know the best way to ask this, but you would actually, because Presidio has got to be one of five biggest gas producers in Oklahoma, one of three maybe. Uh, in, in, if, if, you, if you put the, in the Western Antarctic Basin, it's number two, uh, and in, in the, definitely in the top seven in Oklahoma, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, And in the, in the presence, for those who don't know, is, is Elk City, north to Ringling, and yeah. west to Amarillo. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't get out of central Oklahoma very often or go east, then you probably wouldn't find us. Go west. Yeah. Are you in the Do you guys have your own midstream as well? Do you, are you this is, this partnered is with somebody? Company that we that I've been with uh, that doesn't on the EMP side. I mean, work for midstream companies, you know, Jax, Duke. Yeah, work for midstream companies, but this company has been focused on production. Yeah, PDP. yeah. You're buying existing uh, pipelines, right? So and a lot of that just hasn't come with. Mm -hmm. Because you see companies like Tellurium, you know, they're trying to innovate. They're yeah. like, hey, we are going to create a plant to make our own LG. We're going to drill our own wells. Well, they're going to drill. Yeah. Presidio's going to drill. at some point. Yeah, they have to. Everybody's, uh, everybody's going to be a company. We're going to participate or yeah. we're going to drill. Yeah, farm it out, man. I love drilling for you. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we're, and we're taking inbound calls. I just don't know that we're calling anybody back at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just because of the... We're how, do, how does somebody invest in Presidio? They reach out to you and say, "Hey, we want to get involved. You guys are doing a great job." Well, yeah, I think that's the. I, I think that we're interested in um, in investors as much as they the should capital. be, and, and and that's the way to think about it. We should always be interested in, in in having more people than not, you know, believe in our business model, which I think we believe in. We brought people. The A team is together at Presidio. They're all partners. They have stake in the business, and we're we're doing what we thought at our old coves we should be doing anyway, which is focusing on making money. What about you? Uh, t tell us about Ener Energy Rogue. Uh, how to uh, how, how do they get a hold of you, first of all? What, what's your website? It's energyrogue.com. Energyrogue.com. And you can reach me at bill at energyrogue.com. I try to keep my email simple. And why should I subscribe to your guys? So what I tell people is that if your business is determined by the price of oil and gas, you need to know more about how that price is brought about. Yeah. And what we do is teach you how to get there. We provide you... First of all, with a daily update of where everything is at the point, including the uh, refinery inputs and outputs and, and stuff like that. But when you dig deeper into what we what we actually put on there for, for sale, that's our free stuff. And, and then the stuff that we actually sell, I actually get you down to the charts that you see all your technical traders using. 
and the charts you always see your fundamental traders using. And we try to be the bridge between those two worlds. It sounds like because he's trying to steal your job. He, he thinks that he can. He we, can. We, we, we have outsource, you can outsource his job. We have that multiple cool. bets at one time. I like I this. Promise. I would never want Cody's job. <laughs> he works too hard at it. <laughs> so, like Bill says to others, he taught me everything I know. Oh. <laughs> That's what, yeah. When I found out you're going to be at the uh, Woolfield Connections and on our podcast, he's like, I taught that guy everything he knows. <laughs> All the bad stuff, anyway. Yeah, that's, that's what I said already. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, how's Morgan Stanley been with uh, you know all these activist investors that's right. happened to Shell now? Doesn't Morgan Stanley set the price of oil anyway? Yeah, mm -hmm. right. They, well, they do every month. They change their mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> based on <laughs> that. Yeah. I mean, they would never talk their book, but yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. they've been a fantastic partner. In fact, uh, they're the catalyst to our success. Uh, they've been insightful and uh, supportive of the things that we're interested in. And it's always important to find an investor and a sponsor that ha you have like uh, goals in mind and that those goals are out on the table because a lot of times people get themselves into things that they just want the money and they don't care about aligning themselves with what you're trying to achieve and they just take the money and the other uh, in the bank or the sponsor or the equity partner says we got them. Flippers. So recently BHP came out and they said we're gonna uh, they're looking at selling their oil and gas assets which uh, profit about two billion a year or something crazy right, right. and why they're doing it buy them Presidio and my <laughs> and my theory at least anyway is because they're worried that if they hold on to them too long there won't be a buyer and why they won't there won't be a buyer is because equity markets won't get fund them to buy anyone else yep. to buy it so that's why I'm asking yep. like where's the market going so their BHP is trying to get in front and sell their assets yep. so and it's because activist investors which have shut down shell said no you right. guys got to curtail your emissions quickly and I think it was was it Exxon or there was another one recently Exxon. yeah that is also activist that would happen. I know so so do you guys think then that a bunch of so we talked about this many times like at first there was going to be a lot of you know grabbing up of big companies grabbing up all the land is it going to be now mom and pop zone like there's just gonna be more mom pops. There's still, you know, there's still a cap on what investors want to uh, lend to energy companies. There's a, there's still some bad blood over bankruptcy yeah, for the last two pink. or three years, mm -hmm. and um, I think uh, the traditional folks have kind of stepped to the side and will stay on the sideline for a while. What the, what, the, what the issue is, and for folks like BHP, is who's going to buy those assets? So they're getting you know pushed or pressured to divest of those assets. But what their challenge is is taking those to the market and who's going to write a two billion dollar check? That is is it going to be Presidio? Well. That's going to take a minute to find $2 billion to round up. And so what they're hesitant to do is to take that to the market, have a sale that draws out. You know, if you're selling your home, it's been on the market a year. People think, what the hell's wrong with this asset? What the hell's wrong with this home? And the problem is that if you're out on the market too long or you have a failed sale, a failed sale usually results in a 20% reduction in the asset. Well, there you go. You just threw away. So, you, so what's happening, and this is behind the scenes, and you guys know it, is that marketed processes are limited. Not a lot of people selling their assets, but they're definitely making calls mm -hmm. to specific folks who they think are the natural anyway. buyers. It's all for sale. And they're saying, "Hey, we think you're the natural buyer. Here's what we want to. Here's what we want for this. Work on. Work with us on this, and we'll sell this asset to you. But it's one on one. It's not a marketed process." And and, and, and this, that's where we find ourselves today because there, there, there aren't a lot of companies, unless you're going to issue equity like Diversified Gas and Oil is doing all day long to buy new assets. Unless you're not uh, issuing equity, there are going to be a lot of folks that are going to have a hard time writing checks for four, five hundred, two billion dollars. Mm -hmm. Didn't we talk about this? Uh, was it Devin should probably buy all the uh, uh, Chevron assets? 
Same, yeah. Same kind of. Uh, They're going to have to issue equity to do it, though. Yeah. There, there, yeah. There's not any going to. But be that's the only like in our heads. We were talking about this the other day. That's kind of who you know we thought would probably be the best to buy it. Sure. I mean, that's the closest. You know, they they overlap each other in so many ways, right there. Yeah, but in that case, I think that there's Devin talking directly to Chevron. They've probably come to Chevron and said, "Hey, if you think we're the natural buyer here, if you want to sell it, we're your guy." Uh, Which would be great for Oklahoma. And, and, and you hang back and, and you listen and you listen and, and it's just a one-on-one thing. Mm-hmm. No marketed process. Nobody knows that Chevron's out there selling these assets. And oh, by the way, on a merger Monday. Merger Monday. Merger yeah. Monday assets. Speaking uh, of which, on Monday, Dave Ramsey would be in here with uh, Robert Heffner. All right, uh-huh. that's a well, good that's group. Good. That's good. Oh yeah, there'll be uh, there'll be some fireworks in here just no like today. About it. And, they, <laughs> and that's going to result in a press release on Merger Monday. Merger uh, Monday. Yep. Yeah, I'm just so curious though how the market. If there's no buyer, like Camino's been stuck in this weird mm-hmm. place, you don't want to IPO, right? Because yeah. the market hates you. But there's not a bigger fish at this point. Camino's, I don't Camino's know kicking butt. Yeah. Yeah. We, like, we love Camino. We like all yep. the people yeah. over there. Absolutely. And uh, they got rid of their, uh, they got rid of their Permian stuff there for a minute. I guess they're just going to focus on. They flipped it. They, they flipped it. Money. it was sm- I know it's money. money. Hey, I'm, I'm very proud of those Good boys, but it also made me like excited because I think they're just going to focus on drilling in Oklahoma. Makes sense. There's a lot of, you know, we were, I'm, I've been unfortunate or fortunate, it doesn't matter how you look at it, uh, but to be a part of two bankruptcies in a row, the the biggest and the most controversial. That was a and controversial I, one for Which sure. ones were those? Uh, so Lynn Energy was probably the biggest, yeah. and Alta Mesa was the most controversial. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to, like, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but we've all, you know, we all had so many friends over at Alta Mesa. I mean, that was a right. huge, huge part of all of our lives here in Oklahoma for a little while. I mean, sure. they were just blowing through drilling wells blowing through money how about that oh okay but you know uneconomic wells right right. yeah i don't know i mean mock picked them all up i mean there's i mean mock looked at the production on them and like we would love this thank you for all this production at that uh, price point just like them buying templar had good assets somebody told me at one point like when mock bought that asset for what they did if they just sat on it for about a year and a half it would have been paid for templar paid for templar Templar, right now is the same no no templar was a great pickup and I watched that pretty closely, and look at our friends at Citizens. You know, I mean, they, they sell asset and then uh, turn around and buy it back from them on pennies on the dollar. So okay. let's talk about like uh, the Railroad Commission has a pretty robust program that you must plug ten percent of your non-productive wells. Right. Templar had a lot of non-productive wells. Yeah. How does that work? When, when so, does Oklahoma so start? So I, I hate plugging, is it, plugging is it wells. Non-productive wells or non-commercial wells? Non-economical. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a shut-in, and they have been for a long time—a a tubing leak, but they don't. So the pushback you're seeing from the producers is that at two dollars it's not economical. At four dollars it is. Yeah. Uh, in some cases, yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, and they're maybe getting close to breaking even. There, there's a lot to that. So do you, want, do you want regulatory so, then to step in and say, hey, you have to have a plan to yes. do something with this? Yes. You love regulation. No, no, I've, I'm a fan of regulation. I, uh, I, it about needs to happen because without regulation, no one would do anything that benefited outside themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to do anything more than what they have to, right. especially. Plugging a well, especially a deep plugging well, is terrible. You should well, never yeah. plug a well. It's seventy-five thousand dollars, or it could be uh, so many costs associated. You're yeah. seeing this in West Texas, like right. uh, you got a leak in a well that uh, go fix it, make it economical. Actually, like you said, right? we're not giving enough love to these wells. We're not. Well, yeah. sometimes they're just no longer productive. They got to be plugged, but no one in Oklahoma is forced to plug a well or do anything with it. So because they just sit there and then they become orphaned, right? We had Mike Cantrell on here. Mike Cantrell yeah. hates plugging wells. He does, but if you're not doing it, something has to be done with the well because it ends up just trading hands so many times and then gets lost and we end up with orphan wells. Well, I think Mike Cantrell's version of that is that there, there's someone who can actually operate that well. Somebody like can operate it and make it. But as we get more regulations, that will not be true, and we will plug those. So, yeah. Why can't that go to the home? Like, hey, you know what? The state's going to take over that well, and that's going to go to the homeless foundation. You know, whatever yeah, it is. We don't want the state taking it over. 
Well, <laughs> not that they're going to do a great job of you know fixing that well, but if it can be fixed, they should sometimes farm it out to trace management. You know, and say, hey, well, I, I would argue, like and uh, that sometimes the well is just no longer non it's no longer economical. And you can look behind pipe, and there's just nothing there. You got a couple hundred thousand to spend to perf a different zone or do something different. Right. It's not there, so you can leave it shut in. And I'm not a, I'm not opposed to shut in because my control. He thinks later in life there may be something to do with that. Right. Well. The problem is what typically happens is they just keep shuffling those wells to someone else, sure. someone else, and then sooner or later it ends up in an LLC. Uh, that no one really owns anymore, and, and that's bankrupt. Yeah, yeah, and then now the state has an orphan well, right? Right. And it's and leaking methane, and we're all everybody yeah, on yeah. the environmentalists all hate us. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's not a good process on that. There are four wells that are in the Oklahoma River that have casings stuck in, up above the water, about 20 feet. Mm-hmm. I drive by, and the I-35, I-40 interchange. How do we get a hold of those? Let's do something with those and know, show everybody those, how great oil and gas is yeah, by taking those back over. The, those wells need to be plugged. they the casing is bent over like this. Um, the, the, I see those wells, and I, I kind of do this because it's exactly how you describe. They're, they're orphan wells. They're just hanging out in the middle of the Oklahoma River, mm-hmm. too. What about like a big Presidio desert. sign <laughs> above them? So what with is like, a, with like a big torch. Where, where is ORBB in that? ORB I mean, is a great O-R-B. organization. They yeah. just maybe have I'm a focus. Metro Pro, but where yes. are they? Where are they, where are they, well, they got their hands full, and I don't think they have a budget. They're trying to figure it out. And something has to happen to these wells. So those wells are a prime example. Those ones sitting stuck yeah. up. Those, yeah. At some point, right. they were productive. I source for Oklahoma City. They're eyesores for the city of Oklahoma yeah. City. They should be eyesores for oil and gas. They, they are, and that's the way we need to treat this, uh, some okay. of this stuff. And we need to come up with a bridge that doesn't just say it's either produce or plug. I don't know what that is. Yeah. There, are fan, there, there, there are smarter people out there who deal with operations than me, but there's a bridge that, and Mike Cantrell is probably one of those guys to lead that mm-hmm. initiative to be able to say, what can we do with these wells? It doesn't mean that we got to go spend fifty thousand dollars each time can we put some sort of monitoring on them you know where they're make sure they're not leaking and let, let, let's go down the road here until there's possibly something we can come do with these things yeah so, so i think what you're what you're saying and this is what i do agree with is that anytime you see a well like that it costs everyone money mm-hmm. not just the people who own the well at that point because yeah. that reputation for the industry is making sure that you can't go get capital it's making sure that people are always going to be up against you. Yeah, it's black it's, eye. It, it, it's not just a black eye. It's a financial black eye. Mm-hmm. And no one's ever translated that into money to anybody mm-hmm. before. That's and, right. Yeah. And no, I'm a, I'm a fan of regulation because without regulation, everyone would have orphan wells everywhere. So like, uh, there is good reason for it. And it needs to be regulation with good means. A lot of times it's protectionism yeah. and regulation. But most of it, yeah. I mean, sometimes it is protectionism to protect an industry or a certain company. And sometimes it's a gotcha regulation. Yeah. yeah. I'm just out trying to find and just, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what you're saying all this yeah. ESG bullshit. Regulation just bullshit, needs more taxes. Yeah. Yeah. The environmental social governance is something I do care about. But it's going, it's Urgh. this whole cancel culture. And that's what I call BS. It's going too far, right? right. You ran it back in, but I think that's what you're seeing pushback across the world. Mm-hmm. Is everybody says, "What we're going to convert? We're going to convert." No, you're not. And then says, "Okay, here's the cost for conversion." Oh, yeah. well, maybe those guys aren't so bad after all. You know, when you talk about electrical vehicles, right now they're two percent of the total vehicles. I just drove a Tesla. Yeah, well, super cool. It's, okay, it's, it's, a, like it's a electric toy. vehicles, Bill. And this year, it's all a waste. Of, Next it's year, a waste of energy. Baloney. They are more efficient. They are not more it, efficient. That, it's good for my, us. I don't know why you're my good that. friend came to my house. She she parked her car on Friday. By Sunday, it still wasn't charged back up. For my well, yeah, my yeah, that's a, that's about <laughs> you. What a joke of a car. Doing, no, you were doing one ten. So they have different chargers that can do more and faster. Okay, but if I can't plug it into my house, is it really electric? You can. You can plug it into your dryer. Not not like a two twenty outlet. I had closed to drive a kid. 
Well, you know, you, you plug it into your dryer, you turn on the Ridiculous. heat, but it closes the car. It's very simple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they are more efficient, but they're still burning natural gas, man. Yeah, okay, well, then, then I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. So I would have rather burned Oklahoma. I would have rather burn that car in India as a fuel source than use that for much longer. And I agree. I, I think there's a real place for electronic vehicles, electric vehicles. Yeah, like this but with my kids. You, like, you can't no. You, you can't take them on on any kind of long term trip. No. Well, yeah. you can now. I actually took one. Uh, I like scooters. Those are fun. I have a, Those are great. I'm on a race car team, right? And we you know what I like doing? Fort Worth, just driving around on scooters. And we took a Model Three down there. But you're, you're gonna have fun next week when uh, DRW gets here because oh. I asked him about them. Oh, he DRW is because well, he and friend took a trip in the winter from uh, Denver to Omaha. Mm-hmm. The people in the Tesla left their car halfway through because not only did it, lose, it, it the battery immediately went to half in the cold weather. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause it turned off the heater. Yeah. Well, well a heater is a controlled short in a car. When you're using electricity, it's controlled short. It uses yeah. an immense amount of energy. But I'll tell you, so I. So, anyway, that'll be an interesting conversation. But I really do like electric vehicles because they have some, first of all, torque. I mean, I drive a Jeep. My thought process you take a Jeep with four electric motors and everywhere. Yeah. That would be just. Well, even pretty intense. So I took a, 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 this was almost two years ago now, we took a Model 3 from Oklahoma City to New Orleans, which is uh, in a normal vehicle, and I drove an Escalade at that time. It would take 10 hours right. and uh, roughly two, uh, two tanks of gas, so $400 or so. We took the Tesla this year, or that, that year, and it took 14 hours, but the cost was only $45. But wow. the, why it took four hours longer is the route you had to take. Right to to be able to charge to the charger. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it, so it, the route you had to take plus sitting there for an hour at a time charging. And usually, yeah. if you're getting an hour charge, you're only going up to about eighty percent. Yes, is Presidio right. over here? Because hundred percent electric car. Significant. That last twenty percent takes yeah. a lot more. So you know what's crazy? Yeah, so right now, California. If, if you were ever going to sponsor a car, what would it be? A Mustang? Uh, you know, probably. Uh, if, if if Will Ulrich was here, he would probably say something like that. I think so. He probably has a particular car that he would want to sponsor. It wouldn't be electric Rocky. fueled. It wouldn't be electric fueled. Though. I don't mind it. So yeah, he's a pretty innovative. What about you? What about you? What's Rogue? If if Rogue was going to sponsor a car, what would Nissan it be? Rogue. <laughs> oh, no. I'm all thought about that. Dear, I'll pay for you. That's a, that's a copyright lawsuit. Probably. Yeah, it probably would be. Uh, unless they sponsored us. Yeah. Uh, but, no, I think if we, uh, when you're talking about a car, it always talks to me is about what kind of car you, I mean, there's, when you talk about racing, there's so many different types of races. Yeah, 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 of course. You know, and you know. Jeremiah races, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. yeah. What do you race, Jeremiah? I race a 91 Nissan. 300ZX, but I do yeah. endurance. It's 16-hour races. 16 okay, so you do a rally or just long distance? No, it's it's on a it's on like a. I hate to make the association, but it's most accurate. It'd be like watching an F1 race. So I'm making left and rights on a closed loop, uh, paved so, track. So similar to like what Hallett's got up there. Hallett yeah, yeah, I raced in Hallett in May. Uh, yeah. 14 and a half hours. Why it was 14 and a half? Because the engine. Not, uh, we blew up another engine. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was supposed to go 16. <laughs> That's crazy. So you well, like condensate lubricants. Yeah, yeah. You know, going with the engine road thing, I think we'd go after some off road. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, you know. So, no, but what I want to bring up is, uh, it, this is crazy. This whole thing with EV vehicles, so California is super embracing, right? What right. is it, 2035, no internal combustion yeah. can be solved no, there? No new internal combustion. Okay. But they're having brownouts now. Yeah. How can their grid keep up with it then? By buying LNG from Oklahoma. They don't, they, yeah, they're just importing it, and they're letting someone else produce it in a different well, state. And then could you guys make your own LNG out of location? You, could, you can make LNG yeah, on location, can. sure. Yeah, we've worked. Uh, we, we've worked, we've had an asset in the past where we made LNG up uh, in uh, Kansas, too. Yeah. Where do you export that? That's energy intensive, though, right? What to compress that? it that much or cool it that much to yes. where it becomes a gas? Yes. Well, uh, so but, we, uh, but we're cooling it that way anyway yeah. to uh, extract the helium. Really? Uh, where yeah. are they doing that? And uh, how much helium is in gas? Southwest 
Southwest Kansas is where the Hugoton Basin lies. Right. And, 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 and at one point, uh, Lynn, now Scout, owned uh, 12, 12%, 12% of the total of helium in the United States. Really? Wow. It's in the, Where's it, it coming come from? from the Hugoton Basin. Yeah, I know it. No, uh, the, we look at federal bids, and right. one was to plug some old helium wells right. oh, yeah. in the Hugoton Basin. Yeah, we were selling for. Oh, By the way, they have now announced that that helium reserve is empty. So no. let's, let's, Wait, so you tell me we were efficient in a reservoir and actually extracted all the let's, helium available? Let's not get too fired up about that. <laughs> that, that, that thing has been empty and full, empty and full for <clears throat> 25 the years. The geology that recycles so, that. Matt, how do we start a fight between these two guys? These They're gas marketers. It seems like it's right here on the coast. There's always <laughs> something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that Cody and I always agreed on everything. No, that's great. That's that's the only thing's going to result in minimum three or four bets after this. <laughs> okay, wait, hey, let's take some bets right now. Yeah. Uh, is Hydrogen or helium going to be a prevailing energy source for powering something in the future? Helium will not be. There's not enough. Mm-hmm. Hydrogen. How hard is that to move? Hydrogen. Let's talk about hydrogen. I mean, I, I, what about that? I've, I've, I've only read a little bit on it's hydrogen, ridiculous. but what I've read about hydrogen is about whether or not you're creating green hydrogen or blue hydrogen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, blue hydrogen is the most the, the cheapest, but it requires fossil fuels. And how are you getting it? But because it's pretty They're, hard to store, isn't it? It'll what they do is they basically they just shock water and separates miles. Oh, electrolysis. Right. They're using electrolysis, but right. I mean, you mine it or drill for it, and like there's hydrogen wells. Well, there's hydrogen in the air. Most, most time they use it from water because mm-hmm. that's the easiest to shock because it's down to H two O. So all you have to do is get the oxygen out. You don't have to deal with everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. However, the green helium, the green hydrogen, is made using wind power and solar power. And so I think the last number I saw on blue hydrogen was like a dollar sixty-eight per kilogram. Blue, um, excuse me, green uh, hydrogen was like six fifty-eight per kilogram. What? Well, how's a kilogram equate though? I don't know it's, what to do with weight. that. Yeah, what do I do with the, that one I, kilogram? I can't you wait. You I, might I have that conversion. I, yeah, I need that equivalent to. That, you might have to wait. You might have to wait on that answer because I'm going to wrap this up. Boy. You're going to wrap it up. I'm yeah. just getting fired. Man, I've got I, do, I, do, I know, here. but hey, guess what? This brings us. Bets and we're drinking alcohol. Yeah. I just wanted to like, try to cut it off. We're going to get way. Hey, look. Instead of this being four hours, why don't we just invite them back and make sure that they come in? Again? I don't know that we learn enough about and uh, because I want to know how the hedges work. I want to yeah. know about everything and gas. No, let's get five minutes. Let's. Let's do the hedging. Tell me how. Can you hedge? He's never going to let you go. And he got you in here. Uh, it depends on how much you have, but yeah, you can't hedge not op. The biggest problem there, a lot of times, your operator is hedging that not op as well. How does that work? So, no, no, uh, you can have uh, Clearwater or some other group right. uh, do your marketing, but it's all going to the same meter. Like, you, know, you could take it. In, how does that work? If all my gas is uh, going through energy transfer, but you tell me I can somehow sell gas, uh, like uh, energy transfer still has clean. How does this work? How does uh, gas marketing work? You want this hour? Or you want me to do this? <laughs> I know. I don't want to come back. Yeah. Like, right. I, I, I want to know this personally. Hey, I'll tell you what. Everybody on LinkedIn, keep follow this episode and ask the questions underneath the episode. And I guarantee you, these two guys, you give me all your questions. I'll line them up with questions after the episode. They can write all their answers down on LinkedIn. How long have we been going at it? Hey guys, how long have we been going at this? Uh, never enough. I, I'll tell you what. Never enough. So, so the answer to your question is: gas marketers always seek to get the most value. And getting that value can create a lot of different ways of doing things of how you separate things out. So whether hedging really is price protection for a producer. Is, is hedging good? Harold Hamm would say no. And a lot of people, do you ever, uh, do you make more? It, well, hedging is all about what your risk uh, tolerance is. Sure. 
you know? Yeah. yeah so, especially if there's debt. a downturn for two or three years and... Uh, well, it'd be debt and yeah. uh, no debt, right? So, right. hell, him doesn't have debt, so it's pretty so, easy for I, him. I, I've sold, I sold hedges that we had for $125 in a $33 world. Mm-hmm. That was a nice income. Yeah, you were holding those. But as I told the producer that I was working for at the time, understand, this is now trading, not hedging. And also, it'll what does that mean? happen again? Yeah, right. that, means, that means trading means that you're trying to make money on the flip. Hedging is saying, I've got a price I want to protect. So, and, uh, any, any company to kick me hedging, off here. we got to shut it down should, again. So, yeah. that was just a quick answer. Bill, uh, I guess we're gonna, you guys are going to have to come back. Yeah, you, you have, have to come back. Kobe, when are you coming back to Oklahoma City? We'll have both of you guys. I'm going to save you the same piece of paper. We didn't answer anything. Kobe, we'll come in. Yeah, I'll come in, you know, maybe together with Bill. Maybe not. Definitely. So, we can hear. Depends how the conversation goes now. I'll come back later this year. We might just have to take a road trip down to Presidio. I think it's a good idea. We could probably host you. I mean, it's a great place. I love your logo. I love I love that beautiful logo. I yeah. just want to come down to Fort Worth and see it like painted on every wall. Like, I want T-shirts with that logo on it. I appreciate your guys' investment. Yeah, it's so great. It really is. Yeah. it's unique. Yeah. I mean, I normally don't root for anybody from Texas, but Presidio, it's happening. I'm, I'm a fan now. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank <laughs> you. All right, so great. follow uh, Kobe on LinkedIn. Follow Bill. I don't know about Jeremiah, yeah, but no. I love him to pieces. And uh, thank you for writing all your questions and having this great studio at Trace Management. Yeah, right. Guys, this is this the is Talking nice. Energy Show. Reach us at TalkingEnergyShow.com. Uh, if you want to uh, know more about these guys, uh, we'll you know put some more information. Thank you, guys. Take-